Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. It's a few minutes after 10 o'clock Central Time. It's the 26th of October. My name is Patrick Timpone, and uh, fall is beginning to f- whatever out here, so that's kind of nice. Uh, my golden doodle girl, furry friend, four-legged, she just really feisty. We throw the ball like four times a day. She brings the ball, let's go throw it in dead. Okay, because when the weather gets cool, she has a good time. And uh, so I hope you're going to have a nice winter. It looks like uh, the boys out there, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're going to they're gonna probably have some more fun with this, with this, this winter. But I'm sure we're going to do just fine. Thank you very much. We'll do fine. So we're going to try to help navigate through uh, the coming winter with the supply chain and all that stuff. So stock up on sardines, beans, rice, whatever. Uh, the store shelves are already beginning to look empty, and we talk about it uh, a lot. Okay, so um, you're going to meet a lady that does some things working with water that, I mean, I may need to start smoking marijuana again just to just to watch it, but no, I won't do that. Uh, speaking of marijuana, next uh, in in a couple of hours, we're going to talk with Caitlin Hendricks. Caitlin grows her own wacky tobacco, as we used to call it, cannabis, but she's into CBD, and she really knows a lot of stuff about CBD. And there's so much CBD out there. And I met her at the farmers market. She's at the Dripping Springs Farmers Market, and she has a great product. So we're going to really understand why this CBD stuff even works. And then later on, uh, Andreas Wechter, he'll be here at 1.30. I have a busy day today doing three shows. Andreas Wechter, who uh, used to, uh, at one time, was a gold medal German gymnast. And uh, he destroyed his body by um, having uh, exercising for many hours, uh, for years, and uh, brought back his body using pristine oils, really pristine oils. And he figured out a way, you know how the Germans are, you know, they make the cars that really go boom? Yeah, they, they know how to make oils, and he does it without friction and without heat, if you can believe it. No friction, no heat. Incredible. So that'll be uh, later on, and then tomorrow I'll be here at 10 to uh, trip the light fandango, and then Richard Mayberry with uh, the re- uh, the show that he does on money and finance and what's going on in the world of money, and there's lots. Okay, so having said all of that, now I have to get to uh, my website here so I can just actually look at um, the the video. When I do Zoom, it's just a little bit a little bit silly. So pardon me as I as I'm um, not doing what I want to do exactly on the video. But Vita Austin is here, and you're going to see her in a second. She's out in California. She's a researcher. Uh, she's a mom, artist, author. She comes from uh, down under in, uh, in uh, you know, that place down there. And, uh, and, <laughs> and she'll tell you all about it. And she's been looking at and photograph- photographing the life of water. And she says that water is full of intelligence. We could use some of that. Observing itself through every living organism on the planet and in the universe. Her primary focus is to photograph water in its state of creation, the space between liquid and ice. I suspect it's similar to the work of Gerald Pollack, but we'll find out. We talked to 
Jill Pollock uh, oh, a couple of years ago. We got introduced to her through uh, our friend and associate Tom Cowan and through this uh, healing conference that they did. But this is really trippy stuff. I mean, this is beyond uh, things that I've ever talked about. We've, we've talked about uh, Victor Schalberger's work and all of that. But let's just meet Vita and uh, from New Zealand, correct? From New Zealand. Hi, Vita. Hi, that's right. Yeah, I'm from New Zealand. And you came up here because you just wanted to be closer to Texas. Just kidding. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. I wanted to be near you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I just want to be near Texas and Florida. Yeah. So, so this whole water thing. I mean, we're going to show a video, but I'm and we we've seen the Miram, Miramoto. Is that how you say it? The Mir, the work of. Oh, you've seen Masaru Emoto, sure. Well, yeah. uh, how do you say his name? Masaru Emoto. Masaru Emoto. See. Yeah. So we've seen that work where they actually played music for, and but now you've taken this to a whole nother level. Uh, tell folks, talk to us like we're a young child, our golden <laughs> okay. retriever, and tell us what you do with the water. <laughs> well, essentially, uh, Masaru Moto he was using a microscope, and he was showing what water would do with influence um, and taking microscopic photographs of it after it was flash frozen. So he was photographing the uh, water crystals that had frozen into various shapes after it had been exposed to a positive or a negative, if, if simply put. Mm -hmm. So I have a, another friend who is by the name of Laurent Costa, um, and he does similar work. He's taking microscopic photographs of water after it's been sort of flash frozen and photographing the crystallography. Uh, but he doesn't influence the water. He believed that water would just could just reveal itself and he'd see what it might do. And he was getting photographs of happy faces and fish and hearts. And he wrote a book called into the, the Journey into the Heart of Water. And on the front cover of his book was this perfect heart. Hmm. And it was taken microscopically. So these two pioneers really showed uh, water could form in different ways as it froze relative to either an influence or no influence. However, Laurent Costa, his work was still relative to him because whatever he saw in the water had, had some relevance to him in that day. Yeah. So he felt he was forming a type of relationship with water. So I took the inspirations of these people, and eight years ago I didn't have a, petri a, a um, microscope, but I had an iPhone and I had a Petri dish and I had some great water. So I have a very inquiring mind and, and I wanted to see for myself whether water could have any kind of memory or memory bank, so to speak. The secret seemed to be that it would reveal something to us as it froze. So the, the secret was in the freezing. So I had this idea that I might just um, put a thought or something into the water mm -hmm. and freeze it and see what would happen. And I had zero attachment to what would happen. I actually didn't think anything would happen, really. I had no idea that what would happen and did happen would happen. <laughs> and so I was holding my Petri dish of water with the, um, and I, I saw some fluff floating around in the petri dish. 
And I was like, oh God. So I put my hand in to take the fluff out. And I consciously thought, I wonder if my hand will have any impact on the water's quote unquote memory. I put it in my freezer. This is my household freezer with the peas and the ice cream and everything. And I left it there and I kind of forgot about it for a bit. And then I thought, oh yeah, I've got that, that Petri dish still in the freezer. Let's pull it out. So I pulled it out and I held it up to the light and I took a photograph of what I saw on my iPhone. And it was really kind of freaky, honestly, because what I saw in the ice was an image of a hand that took up half the Petri dish that was so undeniably a hand that when I showed the photograph to my son, who hadn't known what I did, mm. and I said, hey, Rama, what's this? And he was like, it's a hand, Mum, of mm. course. Like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> And he said, it's kind of a spooky hand, but it's a hand. And I'm like, I know. And what was crazy about it is that it wasn't just what you would imagine a regular hand to look like. It kind of looked like an x-ray. However, it, my, I inherited my mother's slightly curved fingers. So two of my fingers are slightly curved. And the image that was in the ice had the curved fingers in the same way that my hand has curved fingers, so it was completely relevant to my hand. And so that part of me that was going, well, how is this even possible? Maybe this was just a coincidence, you know. But macroscopically, the photograph that I took was huge. Uh, so I, I didn't expect to see that. So then I ran down to the beach, because I lived right by the beach back then, and I got some seawater, and I I brought that back to the house. I froze a very thin layer of seawater because it takes longer to freeze than regular water. And I froze it. And then I pulled it out later, still thinking the other one was a coincidence. But I got this incredible fish image in the, in the, in the ice. What? It was, you could see the tail and the gills and the perfectly round eye and the shape and form of a fish. And it was at that moment where I started getting really excited and going, I don't know that this is a coincidence. And so then my, my freezer literally became my most used household appliance. And I started doing this over and over and over again, using all different types of waters and all different types of inspiring influences. And that's where I now have a body of going in just about 16,000 photographs all taken on my iPhone that show that water has responded in some form of intelligent artistic expression. And I've done repeat studies to see whether water will show the same or similar image to the same influence. Uh, and I've done many of those and we can get into that later. But okay. Um, essentially, in a nutshell, what I'm seeing is that water is responding intelligently to an influence as it begins to freeze. It is able to form and shape and design an image that is relative to that influence. Relative to the so, influence. So, so it wasn't like with the ocean that you actually had any fish in the water, there's actually obviously fish in the ocean, and the water is so intelligent and so aware and so alive that it it, it showed a picture of a fish. Yes. Whoa. Well, I've got many, many <laughs> other uh, creatures that have been in the ocean now. I've had whales and octopus and 
um, I've had dolphins, I've had seaweed, I've had little crabs. Actually, I've, I've got a huge range of, uh, of different creatures that live in the ocean. But the ocean itself, when it, it's interesting because water can show me many things. It can show what it holds, what's within it. Mm -hmm. So obviously in the ocean, it, 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 it kind of is a container for all kinds of different life. But water also has its own kind of uh, design. So seawater has specific patterns. Um, and, and those patterns look a lot like, um, like a subwoofer. Do you know what a subwoofer looks like? I, you know a subwoofer? A sub, sub yeah, well, that's what we call them in New Zealand. You know the speakers yes. that kind of like uh -huh. curve inward and, they, and that sound comes out? Kind of. Well, if you imagine that kind of um, curved shape, then inside it's got this um, hexagon that curves through it. Seawater tends to form patterns like that naturally. And what's interesting is when you start seeing it design in imagery, it's as if it's taken on another form of intelligence. So, I, for example, tap water generally forms in these lines and dots and disordered patterns. But if you put that same tap water into a Tibetan singing bowl and you play it, and then you take some of that water out and you freeze it using my technique. So my technique has changed over the years and I'll tell you about that soon. And that refers to Jerry Pollock's work actually. Uh -huh. um, but you'll, you'll see that, that the, the kind of um, designs of that tap water have changed structurally so that it starts to form in more hexagonal patterns or flower type patterns or fern type patterns which is what you would more see in a spring water or a or rain water or a stream water so i think that water also has its own sort of um, energetic state of being it has energetic structures and so I can I say that because spring water forms beautiful hexagonal patterns mm -hmm. and as it starts to degrade it goes from a hexagon to a flower to a fern to grass to, to uh, kind of lines and dots and as it heals it also can go through back up into those beautiful geometries and those beautiful natural patterns. Wow. So it's, it's interesting because the tap water will still have like chlorine and um, fluoride or whatever might mm -hmm. be in it. It's chemically the same, but it's structurally changed. So it's almost like water's emotional state of health. It's kind of like us. We sure. might be sick, but have a variety of different emotions. And Vita Austin, you are seeing these images with the naked eye. You're not, right? You're seeing them after you freeze them with just, just looking at them. You're not using any fancy microscopes or anything. No, no, I actually found it so much easier to work with for me personally because it's a very short process and I just take every single photo I've taken is taken on my iPhone. That's crazy, and with your iPhone. <laughs> yeah, with my iPhone. And they vary in size. Sometimes uh -huh. it can take the entire dish up and my dish is nine centimeters diameter. So it's, okay. um, I don't know what that is in inches, I'm sorry, but it's, it's relatively large. Mm -hmm. 
and, uh, and they can go all the way kind of to around about a quarter of the size of, of the dish. But relatively speaking, they're still huge macroscopically. So it's, I, I, I call it collective molecular photography, the technique that I use, because what I'm seeing is that water appears to be, the molecules are working as a kind of collective to create imagery uh, in the ice, um, much like pixels do for a photograph. Yeah. So, obviously, the the images and or whatever the, the consciousness of the water is there when it's yeah. If you could move your camera a little bit to your to your left, yeah. <laughs> I want to get you more in the center. That'll go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> we'll get there. That's all right. So, all of this information is there while it's still flowing and living, or you know, not frozen. But I guess. Haven't figured out how to see it until we freeze it, till we, mm. till we stop it, in time, so to speak. It's interesting. It's, uh, there's a saying that nature hides her secrets well, mm-hmm. and it is is water goes from molecular molecular chaos, which it's it's constantly moving when it is uh, in its um, liquid state. But as it begins to freeze, it begins to start to slow down molecularly and come into a type of order. And the stage between liquid and ice um, is really a formative stage when it's beginning to take form and shape. But I've discovered that there are two types of water in water. There's the water that has um, taken on the information, so informed water and uninformed water. (laughs) And it's interesting because as I I got totally obsessed with watching water freeze (laughs) and Jerry Pollack talks about the fourth phase of water and he talks about the stage between liquid and ice and I'm like well you know why don't I start pulling these samples out of the freezer earlier and earlier and see where they're at and so I um, I started doing that and I and I observed something over some time is that the informed water will adhere to the bottom of the glass petri dish within minutes and then the uninformed water stays liquid on top. So my technique now has gone from solid freezing all the way to, it takes under five minutes to do this work because I only photograph the informed water and I get rid of the uninformed water. It gives me a much more three-dimensional, clear um, image of of what the response from water is in this crystallography. So just like people, some some of the water is awake and some are woke. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think there is two types of water in people too. Sure, I think there must be. I think, I think so. I think that there's the bulk water that kind of flows through us and mm-hmm. in and out of us because we're constantly taking water in and letting water go. But I also think there might be a kind of um, type of essence or spirit molecules of water mm. that hold our our essence of who we are. Yeah. And I think that that might be what actually leaves the body upon death. Yeah. And through a type of vibrational vapor, um, because water can be in many stages, and we know that it can have four, a liquid, solid, gas, and a type of gel. But because it has 
so many anomalous properties and it actually 70% of it, at least on the surface of Earth, came from meteorites and asteroids, making an alien substance that, that won't conform to the laws of physics and gravity, and I call it the rebel element, um, is actually, uh, you know, you think about, we don't even know where water came from, and yet we can't live without it, and there's no life on Earth that, that can live without it, yeah. and it's what we look for when we're looking for, for life on um, in out of space so it is an interesting thing to ponder and perhaps because of all of this when the body dies perhaps this essence water uh, literally goes from a liquid to some kind of vibrational vapor and take without the need for boiling like we would normally see and is able to rise because as a gas expands it cools which is why people might feel spirit is cold it, to me anyway and certainly i am only talking about my personal feelings and thoughts about it this can't be proven yet um, and i'd love it if it could be because imagine how people how it would change people's fear around death um, then I, th I think that that is a very probable and possible explanation for the way people talk about that rising feeling that have had near-death experiences and the fact that they can't be seen but uh, they can explain everything that they've seen within the hospital room um, oh sure yeah there's so many stories where people have seen themselves on the operating table and they could hear everything and, and that in my opinion you know that's who we are as soul right we're soul yeah. and we leave our body and that's what we do at night too when we dream that's that's, that's what we're yeah. doing really it's funny you know <clears throat> to just to think about the idea that our soul think about this i mean it's just so logical you know if so the body's sleeping and we're soul right and we're inside here somewhere whatever we are maybe this little light beam i just think we're sparks of god light and yeah, yeah. that's the way i look at it so why would we just sit there in the middle of our head going for eight hours, you know. Boy, I sure hope they're gonna get up. Come on, you know we're not doing that. <laughs> so so we we go places and we experience things and we call them dreams. That's that's my take on it. And uh, I, you know what I mean? I, did, I, I actually did, a two, for two months I did a study with dreams and I left a, um, did you? a Petri dish of water beside my bed with the intention that it would capture my dreams. Yeah. And then I, when I woke up, I would go and freeze the water and photograph it. And it was, it was kind of crazy. Well, the, my, all my work is crazy amazing. And it's crazy <laughs> amazing to me too, because I never know what's actually going to come out of the freezer. But I, I saw snippets of my dreams. Did and you? I, I, can, I dream vividly, and I usually remember what I dream. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I shared them um, on social media where I was saying well, I'm doing this, this dream sequence and I was showing, explaining the dream and showing the images that would appear. But sometimes I, on the occasion I might not remember a dream and I'd freeze the water and I'd see an image and it would actually it, it, jog my memory. That's so great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, incredible. All right, my dear, this is so much fun. Um, so what I'd like to do is talk about a couple of the products that we promote. That's how we support ourselves here. And then we'll come back, and then um, then we'll maybe we'll play a video that you've put together and let folks see some of this. And then we'll. But before I do that, I have so many questions. Have you just 
taken water and talked to it and then frozen it? Okay, so we're going to save that. We'll leave that on the other side. So, you know, keep people hanging on that one because I figured figured you'd do that. Stay right there. Vita Austin is with us. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Pretty cool stuff, huh, man? Whoa. Uh, We have... uh, we have several products that are on sale right now if you'd like to uh, um, uh, participate. We have the colostrum and uh, the digestive bitters. And if you use promo code TREAT20, excuse me, uh, if you use promo code TREAT20, you can get a 20% off on the uh, digestive bitters and the colostrum from any Sir Thrival link. Any Sir Thrival link. And you can see Sir Thrival right here uh, on One Radio Network. See, that's, and we have the pine pollen and uh, colostrum and shaga and reishi. But the colostrum and the digestive bitters are on sale. So I'm going to take a little bit of the pine pollen right now because otherwise, Talking about this the way I am with Vita, I'm just going to leave my body. And then, then you wouldn't even—I wouldn't even be here. Whoa. Okay. So check it out. Uh, <laughs> Man, it's strong stuff. Also, a couple other products that we have. Oh, I don't have the. <clears throat> this is really great. This is Pearlsium. This is real living pearl. Well, there used to be, well, you know, oysters oysters cry and they produce pearls. Did you know that? That's what they do. And actually, I think what they do is they show them sad movies and they cry. That's a great idea. But actually, uh, Rulin Shu, who's a quantum physicist, she has a, a huge lakes, pristine lakes in China, and they gather these pearls, real pearl. And then she's figured out a way how to... Um, deconstruct the pearl without losing the cellular matrix. So the pearl is a really fascinating uh, um, um, structure, or whatever you want to call it. It's, you know, oyster tears, and uh, it's mostly calcium, but there's a lot of uh, proteins and a lot of other minerals, and it has been used way back in the Cleopatra time for beauty and uh, longevity. Pretty cool, huh? So you can take this internally, these little capsules here. And then we also have in the green container, which I didn't bring up with me in the studio, that you brush your teeth with. And it's the greatest thing in the world to brush your teeth. It's just amazing. I'm a big fanatic on keeping my teeth, ni- teeth nice, and it's the best. You can't, nothing, nothing like it. I don't care. You can spend $400 for toothpaste, and it's not going to look like when you brush it with pearl, pearl seam. They look like pearl. Like, you know, not that white, uh, you know, a Hollywood kind of thing where they bleach the teeth. Looks kind of weird, you know. It's like, uh, but uh, these are pearl. That's why it's called pearl seam. So these are two really good products. And then finally, another one for those of you who are interested in making babies. Did I just say that? Interested in making babies or practicing making babies, whatever you like to do, you can get this product here. This is called Arise, and it's for libido and boy stuff south of the border and just kind of spice up your your uh, romantic encounters. Arise. 
really, really nice product. I'm a single guy, so I don't take a lot of this stuff. So, you know, can I say? All right, so those are products, and if you'd like to get some, that's how you support us on OneRadioNetwork.com. Do you know what I mean, Jelly Bean? And this is the name of uh, our guest's book, too. You want to get the book. Know the Source on One Radio Network. The Secret Intelligence of Water with Vita Austin. She is in uh, California. She escaped to uh, New Zealand. And uh, <laughs> so, okay. So, okay. So, what have, what have you found, Vita? Thanks for being on the show, by the way. This is great fun. What have you found when you just talk to water? Have you really, does it, does it know what you think or what you really want or what you say? Uh, personally, I believe it knows everything. Uh, it seems to be have this kind of almost omnisensory response to um, an ability to, to, to know. I mean, the, the hmm. thing is that we, we see water outside of ourselves and we disassociate ourselves with it. But by molecular count, not by volume, but by molecular count, we're 99% bodies of water. There are more water molecules in our body than there are stars in the Milky Way. Hmm. And we're only ever a cut away from, from leaking or an emotion away from leaking or various other things away from leaking. And yet we don't really consider ourselves to be water. We tend not to see ourselves as bodies of water because when we look in the mirror with our fourth phase water eyes, because our eye lens is actually 99% water. Hmm. And it's one of the things, if our mouth is shut and we don't see any of the saliva within it, it's the only thing on the human body that reminds us that we're actually water. Sorry, hang on one second. Shanti. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> is your daughter's My name sweet? Shanti? Oh. It is. How old is she's she? Doing the, she's 11. She's doing the dishes and it, it's just Extra loud. <laughs> but listen, when the kids are doing the dishes, you don't want to stop them very often. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very blessed with the children. My children are amazing. How many do you have? Um, One, two. I had three actually. You have three. three. You don't look I old do. enough to have one, girl. So I don't know about. Oh, thank, thank you. That's really sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually told I could never have children after a, a horrendous car accident I was in. We went under a seven-ton truck and rolled twice, caught fire. The driver died instantly. Wow. It actually start, started my journey with water, honestly. But, um, and three doctors told me after all the internal bleeding that I had and everything that I would never be able to have children. So I, I had a child for every doctor that told me I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's go to another doctor and have another kid. <laughs> That's that's hilarious, you know. Oh it, it's God. funny about the, the the eye. Have you have you seen the recent video that Dr. Thomas Cowan put out about how this whole idea, of what we think the cells of the bodies are or not? And he, I haven't seen. He's starting to look at that, and I could send that to you. But it's this water. It's this gel. It's not all the mitochondria and all the stuff. It's and he's saying that. This is how we're communicating with everybody, right? Through this fourth phase of water, if that's what you want to call it, back and forth. The kids that that uh, 
that give measles information to the other kids, right? They're not spreading germs, according to Cowan. They're actually saying, hey, it's a great time to have some measles. Why don't you have some? <laughs> well, I mean, I keep seeing this fluid intelligence responding in ways that I could have never thought possible, you know, before I started ever doing this. So when you ask me, have I spoken to yeah. well, I've, I've done I've done that multiple times. And uh, one of the first ones I actually I said to I said to Water, I mean I may as well you know what I'm not I'm not um, kind of limited to doing what I'm doing because I'm essentially I'm a I'm a researcher but I'm not a traditional scientist so I don't have any kind of I can I can ask the Water anything I can use any influences or inspiring mm -hmm. influences I prefer that word as I like. I don't like to say that I'm experimenting because I'm a body of water that doesn't want to be experimented on. But because I keep seeing this intelligent co-creation happening, then I give water the same respect. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, do you know who I am to the water? Which, um, which you know, I, I had no idea what the water would do. So it's one of those good examples where I've, I've got no idea what it would show me. Maybe it would do a little picture of my face or whatever. But actually, uh, it did something so unexpected. Uh, I, I, it, it wrote my, it designed my initials, VA. And when I write my initials, I connect them. So the V goes straight into the A and they're connected. And it's a very specific way that I link my initials together. And I got these initials perfectly put together. In fact, it was the kind of new, almost new and improved version. It was so clear and so undeniable. And I hadn't used my initials as an inspiring influence. I'd never used them with water. And so I said, do you know who I am? And I got this, these initials, which was fascinating to me. And then um, I've, I've said words. I've said, I have asked questions. I've said things like, can you show me what life on another planet looks like? I've said, what? This is really interesting, and the response was fascinating. I said, um, what is your earliest memory? And I got this image which looked very much like a, 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 an alien head, like this long, elongated kind of head, and this large eye, and this kind of little chin, and a thin neck. And it was quite an unexpected um, thing to see. It wasn't like the, it had a very specific look about it. And I'll send you the photograph. Yeah, I'd like um, to see it. And it's shared on my social media pages so people can, if they're interested to see it, they just go mm. down. Um, but I also said something which has had a lot of significance to me. I said, can you connect to my mum? My, my mum was this living angel and she and I were like, best friends her whole life and she died in 99 and we back in the day when I used to live in Japan her and I used to write letters to each other and uh, this was before the internet and before cell phones and all this and at the end of every letter my mother would just do a circle an attempt an attempt a mum's attempt at a circle which always looked more like a misshapen roti and she'd um, do a little heart inside and so when I got the response from saying to the water, just over the petri dish of the water and say, can you connect to my mum? 
froze it using my technique, pulled it out and photographed it, there was this misshapen heart, I mean misshapen circle with this little perfect heart inside. And it was a very, very powerful image for me because mum had passed for many, many years. And so it just kind of started to make some sense to me. It's almost as if water is way part, you even think about the concept of we call the veil, the veil between worlds. It's mm -hmm. kind of this misty right. idea of this misty, foggy kind of thing. We just, we can nearly see it, but we're not quite there. Even that those analogies relate to water. So it's as if water is this medium between worlds and between these kinds of um, transitions that we go through as people from from life to death to birth. It's sort of in between all the cracks and it's in the air as well. So we don't often think that we're in this, we're swimming, we're literally walking through water as we're walking through air. It's it's an interesting concept because water is really everywhere and so often we just consider it water, um, certainly the kind that we drink and bathe and that takes away our waste, but it's in so many different phases. And when you think about the idea that water could be the, this, um, this kind of uh, the medium between life and death, it's a very interesting idea. And I, I did the same thing for a friend, a friend whose who father had passed, um, and he's a, a big water guy. And so his birthday was coming up, and, um, and he said, oh, you know, I'd love it if you left some Petri dishes out so all my friends can send love to, um, and birthday wishes to the water and then freeze it, and that could be an amazing gift you could give me. So I did that for him. I, left, I put two dishes out, one that people could wish him happy birthday and send him birthday wishes and one that could send love to the water. Uh, but I did another one that he didn't know about and each, so each petri dish I left out had the same amount of water in it. And for the one he didn't know about, I said to, I sa I said to the woman, could you, um, could you ask his dad to connect for him? And so I left them all out overnight because he had about 60 people, even more, sending all these, this love and stuff to the other Petri dishes, which I froze. But the curious thing about the one that I'd asked for the water to connect to his dad with is that most of the water had actually evaporated, whereas the other two had all stayed the same. And when I froze that very thin layer of water, it, all of the water formed into the shape of a heart. Hmm. And so it, it almost as if, um, and I, again, I can't prove this or anything like that, but it was as if the spirit of his father had either A, used that water as an energetic, uh, as an energy source perhaps, which is why maybe some of it had evaporated to transmit that message, or perhaps um, the, the water itself had actually just had a reaction to him. I don't really know, but it was a very unusual observation because I'd used three dishes and the other two had exactly the same amount of water in it. And my cat hadn't come in and drunk any of it. You know, I actually, I tell you, he used to do that and I, I've left him outside to make sure that, that Jeeva didn't come in and drink the water. Drink the water. So it just was a very curious observation. Well, if, 
Vita, you said that uh, um, what ninety-eight percent of our molecules are water. Is that what you said? Ninety-eight percent. By by molecular count, we're ninety-nine so, percent. So I guess we could kind of play with the idea, if you want, is like the water is us. It's who we are, right? So when when we ask God for guidance or spirit, however you want to say it, it would have to be in the water. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it would just have to be there. The question right. and the answer, because that's who we are, right? Yeah. That's who we are. Well, that is the thing. You look in all indigenous cultures and all different types of religions, even, and you and water is always in the forefront of mm-hmm. their creation stories. Yeah. Yeah. Like God spoke upon the waters and. Uh, there's there's so many different stories within ancient cultures that talk about water being uh, part of creation. And it's interesting when you really start diving deep into how water and memory and water being able to store and hold memory has been around for such a long time. Even the ancient Greeks um, talked about when you would have to pay the ferryman to go across um, the river to go into Hades uh, when you died and then you would get to a place where there were there were two streams the river of remembering and the river of forgetfulness and most people would drink from the river of forgetfulness and go on uh, to live their lives and have another life or whatever they would do but the people that drank from the river of remembering hmm. had memory from the past, the present, and the future were often sent back into the world or came back into their bodies or came, oh. you know, they thought that they were dead but came alive again and became oracles. And it's interesting, you know, these, this idea, even in New Zealand, New Zealand was the first country in the world to make a, a river and give it the rights of personhood. So the, the Whanganui River actually has the rights of a person and is cared for by the, the, the Whanganui tribe, the Maori tribe. My dad's Maori, and I'm not from the, 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 that area, but they, they, those people fought so long and hard to give the river those rights because they saw its headwaters being cut off and they thought of it as aquatic decapitation. They saw the um, the gravel being taken away, and they thought it was like the, the the belly being scraped. And they saw the effluence going through the mouth of the river, and you can imagine how they they felt about that because they saw the water, this body of water, as a living body yeah. of water. Yeah. And yeah. they they say that, and it's a, it's a common saying through Maori New Zealand that the health of the river reflects the health of the people. Yeah. yeah. A lot, a lot of that goes on in India too, right? With the Ganges yes. and, yes. and and, and this Yamuna. whole thing. Yeah. Do you want to play this video? Sure. That'd be fun. It's a, just about eight minutes, but uh, tell us about the video. Did you you produce this? I did. Yeah. So essentially, it's just talking a little bit about what we touched on. Mm-hmm. It shows some of the images that water has designed and created, and and the influence, um, and it shows the structures of water as they're beginning to form as well, showing you what the natural structures of water are and then showing you how it can go from these, like I talked about the hexagons and the flowers and those shapes and what tap water looks like. 
uh, all the way to then suddenly seeing it take on this artistic expression. And it's, and it's so distinctly different. And when you know the natural patterns of water and then you see it go into art and you see it start designing, then it's taken on a, this intelligence, this unconscious artistic expression, which is so unique and different. And it's oh, cool. really quite incredible. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I just saw the first uh, minute or so. So let's do it. And then, uh, sure. okay, and then you, you can wash some more dishes and we'll be, we'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> Water is the rebel element. It defies the laws of physics and gravity and you can't kill it. Without it, there is no life and it came from outer space. It reincarnates for all to see and by molecular count, we're 99% of it. Rebellious, eternal and alien. Just look at the power we're filled with. My name is Veda Austin. I'm a water researcher from New Zealand, specializing in crystallography. I'm about to share some of my work with you that has never been seen before. Beginning with the kind of water we use every day when we turn on a tap. Here we see the crystallography of municipal tap water. I'd like you to notice how disordered the ice looks. It's interesting to see a visual representation of the kind of water many people are drinking. Here we see the crystallography of water that has gone through a lot of plumbing and processing. It contains fluoride and heavy metals. Notice how cloudy it is. Now let's compare that to spring water collected directly from source. Notice the clarity and formation of star hexagons as I like to call them. They indicate structural integrity. Here's another example of spring water showing the same beautiful geometric patterns. Seeing these photos of spring water and tap water is like looking at order versus chaos. Next we have the liquid crystal architecture of water taken from a little stream that ran through a forest here in New Zealand. Notice the ferns and the star hexagons, typical of unprocessed water. It seems that the water has created a piece of ice art. I'll add that although the structures are very nice, you can't be sure if the water is safe to drink unless you get an analysis done from a laboratory. This video is from water I collected from a puddle of rain. New science tells us that when we drink water, our body converts it into H3O2, which means it has an extra hydrogen and oxygen atom. It's also known as fourth phase water because it's more of a gel. It fuels our cells and acts as a negatively charged battery that is essentially run on light. Dr. Gerald Pollack talks about this in depth if you feel inspired to watch his TED talk. Saliva is a good example of a viscous bodily fluid that's 99% water. It behaves very differently to the kind of water we're familiar with. This is a video I took of melting saliva. When you spit, you'll notice it's mainly bubbles. See how the bubbles hold their shape even when they move around the dish. Saliva has been used for many years as a way to test for fertility. If a woman is ovulating, the saliva will show ferning like you see in this picture. This is a great example of the hidden structural information in water. 
Blood is 90% water, and it all looks very similar in test tubes, just as water looks very similar in bottles. But we know that blood samples can vary greatly, and my research suggests that it's no different with water. As we progress on, let's look at what a microwave does to water. The water post-electromagnetic radiation looks almost brain-dead. Imagine what it's doing to your cup of tea. Here we see the crystallography of water that has had little to no human intervention. As soon as water starts going through piping, its structural integrity is compromised. This slide shows the crystallography of tap water and water with various levels of EMF exposure. The first 4G sample originally had the structure of spring water. This is how it looked after sitting next to a cell tower for 15 minutes. The same test was done for the second 4G image, except it was sitting there for half an hour. By volume, we're approximately 70% water, and by molecular count, we're 99% of it. It makes me wonder how our world of technology might be affecting us. I think getting out in nature is very healing for the body. Which leads me to some studies I've done on the impact healing energy has on the structures of tap water. I asked 60 people from around the world to send love to the water sample on the left. The result can be seen on the right. Here Reiki energy was given to the sample on the left. The result is on the right. And lastly, a prayer was said to the water sample on the left. The result is on the right. Just as we can heal with kindness and appreciation, so can water. So now that you've become familiar with various water structures and have been introduced to the idea that water can be influenced, you can appreciate just how extraordinary these upcoming images really are. But first, let's watch a video of water responding to the thought of a sailboat. For this next video, I used tap water with very poor structural integrity as you can see. But even so, you may notice that a leaf shape is forming amidst the rest of the chaotic ice in response to the influence of autumn leaves. It appears that water can use its building blocks of ice to create imagery as a response to human consciousness. These next photos show the influence on the right and the response on the left. What we're seeing is water defying its natural formations to create something extraordinary. Sometimes fact is stranger than fiction, and when it comes to water, it seems that there is no end to what it can teach us. Perhaps the ancients and the indigenous people were right all along. Perhaps water really is a living entity.
Whoa. That is so cool. So (laughs) this water was taking on just the pictures that you had. Yeah. Just the pictures. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've, I, because the, the last image you saw um, was of a, a woman's face, and, mm-hmm. and I used her photograph as the inspiring influence. And I've since done many, many people's faces, um, used their photographs as the influence, and got their particular features in the water to show that it's not just random, it's not just coincidental, that the water is actually recognizing their features and displaying them in its own expression, its own artistic expression. So, have you been able to take tap water and turn it into good water by talking to it and praying it and just believing that you can? And Well, I've certainly seen a, a, a structural change, this energetic state of health change. It doesn't change the water chemically, so I wouldn't say that it's good to drink, but it's, let's just say it's improved its, its sense of joy. So it's, it's kind of, if you imagine, if a person goes through a lot of trauma and then is given a hug by someone that genuinely cares, sure. it makes them feel, feel better. But it takes a while for, for and a process for water to you need to filter it. It needs to go. But you know one, one thing is that Rudolf Steiner actually talked about filtering water through silk. And I've done that multiple times. And when you do that, the, the, the structure of water is so beautiful. And if you do it with, with tap water, it, it does actually filter a few of the nasties out. Not all of them, but some. And it gives a, a really huge structural change. Um, one of the things you, you mentioned, Victor Schauberger, mm-hmm. and Victor Schauberger is like a, you know, such a legend. And one of the lesser known things about him, obviously he talked about implosion and explosion and all different various types of uh, vortexes and amazing work that he did. But he also talked about when he would sit by a river <coughs> or a stream and he observed that there was a time where he just kind of fell unconscious. And he said that the water took his free consciousness on a journey and eventually brought it back and returned it to him um, and inform- with all this new information. So he suddenly knew all of this stuff about what water liked, what temperature it liked, all different kinds of information that he had no idea about before. And he said he used to be a searcher and then he became a researcher uh, of his own free consciousness of, and he was able to send his water out on these expeditions and it would come back informed by water which I found just so utterly fascinating yeah and I, I think that's the first time when we really uh, understood of how magical spring water was with Schauberger's work right and yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah. and how if we could all Next lifetime, have a spring. Oh, that's the idea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's the not idea. come back here, though. Let's go somewhere else. Do the spring thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I, you know, because I, I had a, a healing experience with water, uh, and um, obviously I, I talked about my car accident, but yeah. um, I, on my eighth operation, 
they found that I had blood clots showered through my lungs. Um, I went in for bowel surgery and I came out having to be on warfarin because of that. And the... Um, I had a friend who was a doctor, a medical doctor, but also practiced Ayurvedic medicine. And he said to me, you know, just totally off the record, if you can find a natural, emphasis on natural and not ionized, source of high alkaline water, it may be able to help to stabilize your body and get it back into some kind of balance. Mm -hmm. And I've never drunk alcohol, I've never done drugs, I've never smoked a cigarette, I've been vegetarian since I was eight, and so I've always lived this holistic life. So that my body didn't recover well and, and I suddenly had blood clots and I had to be on warfarin, which doubles as a rat po- poison. Yeah. Um, I really didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And so I, um, I was looking for natural ways to keep my body healthy. Of course, everybody has a choice about what they're going to do and everyone's situation was different. And the clots were completely gone um, after the three month when I got a checkup and so I decided that I was going to become the guinea pig of my own health I was and I started trialing all these different types of water that had a little more alkaline and in New Zealand even our rainwater is like a 7.3 7.4 so really? I was looking for spring water though yeah. and I tried lots of I did two-week trials and I didn't change anything about my diet or anything that I did and other than feeling hydrated, I didn't notice a huge difference. Uh, I had a wellness center though, and so a, a, a person came to me and said, look, I know this old guy, he's got his own private water source, it's 9.9 pH out of the ground naturally, you know, maybe you want to try it, he's only giving it to cancer patients. And so I went and saw him, he gave me a month's worth to try, and uh, on day 10 and day 12, I noticed something really radical going on in my body. There were all these bumps coming up along my arm and along my jaw that were really painful. And I knew my body was purging something, but I didn't know what it was. And so I ended up um, getting some tweezers because one was so, so painful to touch. I felt like there was something in it. And I went digging around in my arm and and I ended up pulling a a shard of green glass out of my body. And... In the end, on day 12, coming up to day 13, I got 27 pieces of green glass out of my jaw and my arm. And it was disgusting and amazing at the same time because that water had been in my body for 20 years plus. And because the man who had been driving in the car who died, he had a nightclub in the back of the car were all these crates of Steinlager beer beer as in the, the beer that the lager that you drink rather than the grizzly beer because apparently <laughs> I when I say it it sounds the same um, but when we rolled that those that those uh, bottles had shattered and had I had put my arm over my face to protect my face and it had got the a lot of that green glass in my arm and the, the from the other side I got more of the windscreen but that it had been there so long and that it was purging out after having drunk this kind of water it was remarkable to me that that was possible um, and there's a whole lot more to that yeah wow. uh, essentially but fascinating there's yeah. lots of videos of me talking about good that. stuff uh, in in the time we have remaining if you have a question uh for vita you can uh you can give us a call if you'd like triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six with vita austin also you can email patrick at one radio network.com so so if i understand then even if you can change 
city water to beautiful just by our thoughts, which we can, right? And blessing the water and we can write things on it. I love you and all kinds of stuff. We know that yeah. uh, from Emoto's work, right? Um, yes. We're not sure that it, that it would take stuff out molecularly, though. I mean, right? It's not, it's not changing it chemically. It's, it, you, you've tested that. It doesn't change it chemically. Yeah. No, but it does change it structurally. And that's why I call it the water's um, energetic state of health. Right. But maybe that's all that counts. You know, at the end of the day, maybe that's all that really counts. If it's just all, and I'm just theorizing here, sweet. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, maybe all the, you know, maybe the, uh, the vibrations and the light and the sound, which is which everything is, right? God stuff. Maybe that's yeah. everything. And these little chlorine molecules or whatever, you know, maybe, I don't know. Well, I mean, if if we have the luxury of um, being able to choose what water we can drink, then I would always recommend we drink a natural spring water. Sure. Um, But, you know, that's entirely up to the person. But many people do not have that luxury. Sure. But most water in the West, anyway, is is at least filtered, which does make a difference um, to how it tastes. But. I think it's more about making the relationship and connection strong sure. with with the water you're, that's about to become part of you. <laughs> that's right. So that we often don't think about the intimacy of that something is about to enter mm. us, and what environment are we for that water to enter us? What was the last word that we spoke, yeah. which has an energetic vibration that will either invite or make the water feel not particularly thrilled to be entering? It is um, the water, the, the first thing that the water will come in touch with is our saliva, which, which is, as you see, saw in that video, is so much percent water. And I've seen the saliva because I've done tests on saliva, and even saliva can, um, can take formative shape. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting what's happening. But I do teach my technique. A lot of the questions that I have is, that other pe- can other people do this? Or is this just um, you have some special relationship with water? <laughs> the water goddess. I'm not going to deny that, <laughs> that I have a special relationship with it. But I teach people how to do this work. I share my technique. Oh, you do? Oh, cool. Um, and, I, and I even take workshops. And, and I have a private Facebook group for people that are actively doing the work. And I'm doing it, it's like a giant study to show that not only can water actually just do this with me, but it can also do it with others. And um, it, it is so much about forming a type of uh, relationship. And people often kind of get concerned and like, well, how can you possibly form a relationship with something that isn't in a body? And yet it's in every living body of everything in the entire world and on the planet and probably beyond. So I, I teach um, in schools, uh, I donate time, I get invited into schools quite often and um, I say to the children, if your skin was invisible and your organs were see-through, what would you look like? Hmm. And one child actually said to me, a lot of children say we'd look like rivers and tributaries and streams, but one child, he said, well I'd look like um, a brain-shaped cloud raining down electrical rain in the shape of a person. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty next level thinking. And it's interesting though, when you if you if your skin was invisible, you would see what a fluid system yeah. you were. And yeah. I think 
just kind of having a different perspective on things, um, understanding that, yeah, we're, we have an intelligence, all life, all things have a type of intelligence. If we don't brand it with the human yardstick of intelligence, that we can like recognize ourselves in a mirror, for example, um, there's a huge intelligence in, in nature and mycelium and the trees and plants and animals. And where does its intelligence come from? Someone once said to me, what if water is expressing its consciousness through every living thing on this planet and beyond to observe itself from every single different perspective? And another friend of mine called Moses Hackman, uh, he has a, a YouTube channel called Channel Water, and he says water is the glove on the hand of consciousness. Mm -hmm. He's actually an Arctic architect, so he's seeing things from an artistic perspective as well. So I think it's just about just being open to looking things from new perspectives and the possibility that water may well be the conduit or, or the consciousness that we are talking about when we don't even know we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't realize that it could actually be water that is running us, that is within us, within this body. And like Bruce Lee says, you know, be like water. Water becomes the cup, it becomes the, the teapot. And maybe what has become the human, become the animal, and become the plants and the trees. And as you know, everything has a state of consciousness, right? Even rocks. So yes. I mean, and, and and rocks are probably half water. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're salts, and that's the other thing I study. Mm. Um, is that we salt is a crystal, and when. We use quartz crystals in all our technology because they hold vast amounts of information. I think water without salts and minerals um, is, I think of it as awareness. When it has salts and minerals in it, when it's in a human body, for example, that's what helps store our cellular memory. And that's why I think, why well, I don't get very good imagery in distilled water, but I get great imagery in spring water and salt water mm -hmm. because that salt has an electrical component. It absorbs light which is part of fourth phase water, it absorbs more light, and it, and it holds and stores information. So it, it transmits more information and allows the water to store memories. So it's always observing, but when it has the salts in it, it also starts to store and hold memory because it becomes a liquid crystal. Yeah, yeah. Because salt is a crystal. Yeah, yeah. And I think Dr. Khan was talking about how uh, as we have... As we evolve spiritually, we're becoming more of a crystal. He was talking about it on the last video. That's pretty cool, yeah. you know, we're becoming more of a crystal as we become more aware of who we are as spiritual beings, right, kind of thing. I would, I would say that. That's and, like, you know, we are liquid crystal. The thing is, is like, it's what, what memories are we choosing to store? What are we holding? What are mm -hmm. we thinking about regularly? That's the thing. It's like what what we focus on also becomes so much of what we see in the world. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Wherever we go, there we are. That kind of, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, I love that. I haven't heard that. That's what, I'll use oh, you that. haven't heard that for many years. Yeah. Wherever we go, there you are. That's an old uh, hippie bumper sticker sign from the 70s when we were back in the 70s. You know, we, uh, Vita Austin yeah. is with us. It's, um, so, so, after I saw your couple of your videos, uh, we have a hard time getting, I love orange juice, and we have a hard time getting organic oranges here, right? I mean, 
out in Dripping Springs. I can go into Austin, but who wants to go there? It's just anyway. So, um, <laughs> so, so what I decided to do now? I'm just going to get organic, fresh. I'm, I'm sorry, conventional fresh orange juice. I got some, and I just talked to it for five minutes right before I do. I said, "Okay, anything that's in here, you're gone. I love you. You're the best orange juice ever. This orange juice is going to do the best thing ever for my body." And I believe it. I do. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just believe it. I mean, look at we prayed over food, right, since the beginning of time. What we know that that affects the food. We know it, it, does. it does. We know and, it does. And I, I, thoughts become things. Yeah. And that's the the thing too. It, it is like water is responding to the, the, the not only the filtration but the vortexing system that we are. Mm. You know, we are such a sophisticated fluid system that our thoughts actually do connect to the water, do connect to the orange juice, do connect to the water within the food. And it is a sacred, if you consider it to be a sacred um, thing to do, and there's something that you, even if you just say it in your mind and give, be grateful for the food or the, the water that we're about to drink, really of which we really, sh- I, I believe we should be grateful for everything that we have, yeah. um, that, that is nurturing us, that is giving us food and water and nourishment, it's nourishing us, so why would we not be grateful for it? It does change things structurally, I've seen that in the work that I've done for this last eight years. Mm-hmm. What it what it does is change water that has gone through trauma and healed it, and essentially then that healing emotion is coming into us. So it's sort of um, like it's like a we get to to heal, but in the process of that, we can heal ourselves. Yeah, and, and you know, to me too, Vita, the the communication idea, and we've known. All of us know that we communicate all the time with all souls, right, everywhere, regardless of where they are. And now, uh, even now with some of this shedding idea, or we're believing now that uh, Cowan's talking about, you know, they never, he's not a germ theory guy, right? So, they, he, he knows that there's, in Kaufman and in Lanka, they argue that we don't share germs. We just don't. It, we just don't do it. You know, there's no science behind it. We just don't give each other germs. But we can communicate through ourselves, which now we're beginning to see is just this gel, this fourth phase of water, and we communicate. And we're communicating all the time, and it doesn't appear that it matters how far away you are, because as you experiment with people sending love from around the world, right? And it yeah. just doesn't matter because there's no time or space when pretty cool man I, I think that's the way that we're headed that's I where think we're going water is, yeah i think so and even uh, one thing that i was discussing just the other day around uh water like i just said before i think of water as the observer and if it actually is the observer it would be really interesting to do that slit experiment where they've seen that it, it you have to have the observer to be able to see something change and happen yes right right but if you have like a, a um thing of water like a cup of water or something in the room and use water as the observer to see whether or not you see anything different would be such an interesting thing to do 
Here's because we're always thinking of humans being the observer. Right. What if it's an animal? What if it's a tree? What if, you know, it, it's, it is something, what if it's a glass of water? What if water really is the observer? That would be a very interesting thing. Eric wants to know if you've ever uh, done the experiment with the urine, see how it changes. I've done, yes, I've, I've done lots of, ex of, um, of uh, tests with urine because it's an easy bodily fluid sure. to, to use and to I've used tears as well and blood. Um, so with urine it's interesting because uh, as, as I've, I've done it for an entire month, <clears throat> so I've watched my whole cycle of a month of urine um, hmm. And you'll see actually that it will become much more formative um, around the sort of day 10. So when I become fertile, the, the water, the urine actually changes structurally into wow. a much more formative no, shape. No kidding. You could probably use some of this work for people having, you know, challenges having children or something. I mean, who knows what you could do yeah. with this, right? I, I actually think that that was one of the things that I observed when I was drinking that water that helped heal me. Mm. One of the la one of the ladies that um, trialed it, she um, she had been doing rounds of IVF and they'd used they they couldn't afford to do any more, uh, but after drinking it for three months, she got pregnant, and um, so. You know, she wasn't the only person that had had difficulties with getting pregnant and had got pregnant using that type of water. So there's probably a special types of water around the world, I think, that have actual healing properties. And like even Jerry Pollack, he talks about that fourth phase of water being potentially the next medicine of the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we got, get to understand it more, it's, um, it has so much potential for, for information for healing, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that he's right. I, I, from from what I'm seeing with this fluid intelligence that I like to call it, that I'm seeing that it, it can be very informative. So even if you think about the word inform, if you have information, information yeah. then it becomes in form in the ice. So water takes on form from information. Mm. So it becomes in form. It's interesting how that seems to work. We're very much into hydrogen around here. We have a hydrogen machine. We make yeah. molecular hydrogen. Molecular hydrogen. Really cool. And it, it uh, alkalines the water a little bit like you were talking about. It changes the pH up a point or two. And um, But then I was thinking this morning, I could put make my hydrogen water and then put it next to a book that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. It would Actually, I've put. It I've would put probably help to to know the information in the book, wouldn't it? I've done that. I've put lots of petrodishes on books, on the top of books, and I've actually even gone to the extreme of putting a towel over the book, so it, it's like <laughs> it's not seeing the cover, and still getting relative information from that book. It's wow. almost as if water can artistically sum up the essence of something. Yeah, like the essence of a book and show, um, show something relative to that book. I mean, if, if this, the work that I'm seeing is so phenomenal and that it can be used in so many areas that, um, that I, I mean, it has to, it, may, it really does make me think that, that if you take this to the next levels, which, which I can touch on briefly, I'm being, um, going to be being filmed soon for a mini-series and 
we're focusing a lot on the work I'm doing that I call hydroglyphs. Hydroglyphs. Basically, hydroglyphs. Mm -hmm. It's essentially um, when I I started observing that that there were repeated patterns that would happen. So one of the things I use music a lot, and I um, I used uh, Stairway to Heaven. Mm as my inspiring influence. I've used many genres from rap to old school stuff and to R&B, all different kinds of reggae and stuff. Anyway, in Stairway to Heaven, I'd constantly see a stairway. And I started to wonder, does it mean stairway or does it mean something more? Mm -hmm. So I wrote the word stairway and I um, did my technique and I, um, and I saw a stairway. And so I did that 50 times so I knew a hundred percent that 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 ladder like image means stairway but um, I also wondered if does it mean to climb up something so I wrote climb up and I got the same stairway and so to get one hydroglyph I must have seen the water design the same image um, at least 50 times using the same influence and I have 30 of them and so I'm beginning to read messages in water and so the word for money the symbol for money is this coin and so I I also have one but I've realized that money also doesn't just mean physical money it can mean um, like cryptocurrency mm -hmm. but it can also mean abundance which sure. takes the money aspect out of it so it has lay they have layered meanings which has taken me years to figure out years to do but is an incredibly intelligent um, thing that I'm seeing. Just like hydroglyphs have layered meaning, and they're essentially it's a it's a unspoken language that's meant to really touch you in the heart and make you feel an entire concept. The same thing is happening with these hydroglyphs, where you're getting a grasp of an entire concept. Um, and as we start to use language to explain it, we tend to fragment its meaning. But it is fascinating and I, I mean 30 doesn't sound like a lot but when you start reading it one man who's in my group that's also doing this technique that I share his daughter his daughter did it and in the crystallography I saw a, a stairway and two daggers and the dagger is a glyph it means dagger but it also means uh, to um, have physical or emotional pain and it can mean danger so I wrote to this man and I said, look, I think that, that, that if you could say to your daughter just to be careful climbing up something, hmm. because this is what I'm seeing in the ice. And he laughed and he said, oh my God, we're going to this place called Go Ape tomorrow, oh no. <laughs> where we're going to be climbing up all these ladders and going in all these trees and stuff. And wow. I'm like, that's so interesting. Yeah. So um, it, would it be easy enough for me, because I, I really work with my dreams a lot and write them down and they're really I mean for years mm -hmm. could I use easy enough to do put some water by on my bed table like in a in a glass how much water would I put in there and just freeze it and look at it yeah well I'll send you I'll send you my technique so it takes you? you a step by step like oh, how to do it I, I want to do um, it yeah I'll send it to you so you can go ahead and do it yourself um, it does it, it does cover everything in there and wow, I think nice this is why I encourage people and if they get great results to call, to, to you know reach out to me yeah, and know. let me know and show me the pictures because sometimes yeah. you know I get I, you know sometimes as you know 
you've had this incredible experience that you know you want to remember, and it's just not there. You know, it's just you know, it's just not <laughs> yeah. there. It's like okay, and it would be great if you had a little something there to look at, and just like you say, if you get a one image, you can say, oh, that's what it was about. You know, yeah. you know yeah. that that's what it was about. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to do some collective dreaming too. It's, it's, I'm doing an advanced course shortly where people that we're going to talk about the hydroglyphs, I'm going to show them what they look like. We're going to talk about this collective dreaming where we all put uh, petri dishes of water <laughs> beside our bed before we dream and see if there's a collective dream, like to see what we can sure. discover. There's so much, to, so many discoveries to be oh, had because so I feel fun. like I'm only just touching the surface. Yeah, you, and we are. We're just a whole, a brave new world. Well, you're a delight to talk to. I really Thank appreciate you. you coming on the show. You got up early there. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning on the left coast. There you Wow. <laughs> and uh, your <laughs> book is pleasure. called The Secrets, Secret Intelligence of Water, right? The Secret Intelligence of Water. Yes. And that's available pretty much everywhere around? Yep, yep. Yeah. And you can also go to my and interviews and photographs it's where you can get my technique um, where you can hop on to join up for the workshops and then so it's, yeah. it's VitaAustin.com right that's Vita, right VitaAustin yeah. is it Vita or Veda Vita 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 <laughs> oh, well I, I love both mum always called me Vita Vita but all the Indian community and Star Wars fans call me Veda <laughs> that's so. a Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah. Veda so work on your orange juice and let me know how you do with that. So just, that's, that's great. Well, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. You take care of yourself and let me know uh, uh, if we can do anything for you to help promote your work. I appreciate it. You know, Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been an honor. Okay. Thank you. Fade Austin, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, isn't that cool stuff, man? Too holy cow. Well, see you soon. Well, uh, we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to talk about CBD oil. Yeah, I met a lady in the farmer's market, and uh, she knows she grows her own um, uh, cannabis, and she knows a lot about CBD, and I want to explore it more. There's something to it, obviously, something to it, uh, and then, so we're going to learn about that. Then later on, too, uh, Andreas Wechter and Andreas Seed Oils. Is that today? Yeah, I think it is. I get dazed and confused, and uh, we're going to find out uh, how Andreas makes his oils, and there's some really cool stuff. So, I love you all very much. Thank you. Uh, please pass on these links to everyone that you care about. All of our videos are up on BitChute. BitChute, Patrick Timpone. Just click on the subscribe button if you'd like, and also the little bell and then you'll be notified every time we put a bit shoot up. And then also you can uh, join us on Telegram. The link is on the front page of uh, One Radio Network uh, up at the top, Telegram. So see you in about half an hour. Stick around if you'd like to learn about uh, cannabis and CBD and stuff like that. May the blessings be. Know the Source on One Radio Network.